0: I'm not sure economic activity based on what I'm seeing from private sector surveys expanded at a strong pace in the third quarter that that's these guys are saying the exact opposite these are purchasing managers these are guys that are are in the trenches in the in the private sector of the economy the of Good afternoon everybody In the land of Arcadia Economics, my name is Dave Kranzler and this is my bi-weekly podcast. That's twice a month for those who don't know what bi-weekly means. In fact, I didn't until I started my newsletters. I got corrected on that. So anyway, um, today I'm going to do a brief review of the FOMC policy statement circus and talk about why i'm still extremely bullish for the precious metals i guess that's a shock to everyone but first this episode is sponsored by silver viper silver viper is advancing its la virginia project in lovely sonora mexico i wouldn't worry about political risk in that area to be honest Um, they have an existing resource and they're getting ready to start a drill program to hopefully expand that resource estimate. And at six cents a share, I think it's an unbelievable steal just for the record. I do not get paid anything by Silver Viper or any of the silver mining or gold mining, junior mining stocks that I feature and recommend and invest in in my mining stock journal. But um, you can find v- Silver Viper under the ticker VIPRF in the US and VIPR.V on the Toronto Venture Exchange. So with that, I wanted to get into a little bit um, about the, the FOMC meeting. It's every, every meeting day. It's, it's a freaking circus um, led by CNBC. And this is Steve Leisman who every meeting, as soon as the policy statement's released, I I think the media gets it before they post it on their website, and he goes through it, cores over it, word by word, looking for any kind of punctuation mark change or any change in words, either words that are omitted. There's usually very few changes, if any. Maybe one or two words here. I don't know about punctuation marks. Maybe Leisman does. Um, and usually, by the end of this effort, he's got sweat pouring down his bald head. It's quite amusing. And then here's the uh, here's the panel, the expert panel that that tells us everything we need to know about what the Fed communicated and what they said and what they will do and what they didn't do. blah 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 uh, before every meeting or before Powell goes on with his media circus presser so oh speaking of jay powell i'm not sure how he got in there on the graphic so um oh that's me holding a gold bar that was freshly poured at the segala mine in in cote d'ivoire africa Um, that's probably a more relevant picture at the end of the show i just happen to like that picture and and um given what the fed is doing to our system um i think holding as much gold as you can is is quite relevant, but let's get to the FOMC policy statement. Unfortunately, most people don't read it. They just, they just lap up what's fed to them or what's poured in their dog dish by CNBC or um, whatever their preferences for mainstream media garbage. It's it's pretty short. It doesn't take that long to read. And actually, um, it, it, it can be a little bit informative, although um, it's full of lies, and we'll we'll get into that. Um, I wanted to highlight just a couple things here, because um, they start off by saying recent indicators suggest that economic activity expanded at a strong pace in the third quarter. I assume they're looking at the GDP report, which you know, in and of itself is bogus. Um, but that's that's another topic. Just um, just take it on my word that the GDP calculus is is wrong. It's rigged. It's incorrect, um, and it starts with the GDP deflator, which they said is is three percent annualized for the latest quarter. Um, I think most of us know that uh, we're experiencing much higher than three percent inflation right now. Um, They also said inflation remains elevated. So uh, as everyone knows, the FOMC decided to hold rates constant, unchanged, um, like they did at the last meeting. They've held rates unchanged ever since the July meeting, which was the last time they hiked um, the Fed funds rate by 25 basis points. So um, if inflation remains elevated, I'm not sure why they're why they don't continue raising rates. I mean, if you use a real inflation rate, the 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 real rate of inf- of inflation is much higher than than just elevated. And I experience that all the time at the grocery store. And then they also said the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient. We'll get to that in a second because that's a lie also. Um, but in in terms of uh, assessing whether or not the economy is is expanding at a strong pace let's let's put the test to private market data i i look at private market data all the time every day every week for my short sellers journal and that that includes looking at corporate 10ks and q's and all the various uh private sector economic reports that are released so um in fact just today S&P released its U.S. manufacturing PMI. PMI is the Purchasing Managers Index. It's a it's a survey of I forget how many they try to survey uh, every month, but it's it's corporate purchasing managers, the ones who are in charge of purchasing um, raw materials or supplies for manufacturing companies and industrial companies Uh, and they did say expansion quickens as sales return to growth, but um, that's actually kind of BS. Cause first of all, the sales number is that, that everyone looks at retail sales, whatever um, the sales number in the GDP um, or the consumer spending number in the GDP that that's, that's a nominal number. It's, it's, it's grossed up by inflation. So if you want to look in terms of unit sales, you got to um, discount the headline number for sales using a, you know, if you use the CPI, that's one way to do it, it's, it's not correct, but use a real rate of inflation. And for that, I would suggest using John Williams' uh, government shadow statistics, alternative calculus. And very simply, all he does is he takes the methodology that was used in 1990 by the government to calculate the CPI index. Um, and that actually, you can get it on his website and that, that part of his website's free. Um, and that number is just under 8% annualized. And then he also um, does an alternative CPI calculation where he takes the way the government calculated the CPI in 1980. And with that calculus, and that, that was right around the time when they started tinkering with manipulating the the CPI index. But that number is right around 12%. So that, that's your real rate of inflation. And if you discount like the retail sales number that was just released, that had a big pop in it for the month of September. Um, if you discount that by even just CPI inflation, the, the number was not strong. It was actually negative on a real basis using the alternative measures of inflation. I should say the correct, the more correct alternative measures of inflation. Um, but they also say the fall that, that they've, that they've, uh their survey showed employment declined for the first time since July 2020. So if the Fed is looking at the labor report to say the economy is strong right now and resilient, um, they're they're using they're using bad data. It's government-generated data. And we know the employment report is BS. Um, they also say inflationary pressures strengthen. So uh it, it's not it's not just Remaining el- Inflation not, not remaining just elevated according to the private sector. It's strengthening. And we've seen that in the numbers. The, the, the latest uh, CPI report showed uh, an uptick from the previous month for inflation. And if you look at commodity prices, <laughs> especially frozen concentrated orange juice, which is going nuts right now, um, infl- commodity prices, and even gold, because gold has had a good quarter. It had a good quarter in the third quarter. Um, It's reflecting a higher rate of inflation. Uh, The report, the survey goes on to say, demand conditions were historically muted overall with firms downwardly adjusting their output expectations for the year ahead and cutting employment for the first time since July, 2020. So again, just coming back here, I'm not sure economic activity based on what I'm seeing from private sector surveys. And then I'm just using the PMI report as one example. I could come up with numerous examples. I put them in my short seller's journal every week. Um, expanded at a strong pace in the third quarter. That, that's, these guys are saying the exact opposite. These are purchasing managers. These are guys that are are in the trenches in the in the private sector of the economy. Not these idiotic ivory tower FOMC policy members, they also say, despite a further contraction in input buying and reductions in inventory holdings. Now, why would manufacturers be reducing inventory if they expect the economy to get better and demand to improve for their products? They wouldn't, <laughs> they'd be increasing inventory, but inventory, they're reducing their inventory. I would be too if I were them. Inflationary pressures picked up. Input costs and output charges rose at the fastest rate since April so that means the cost to manufacture the, the cost inputs rose and the prices that they're charging to the to the people who buy the in, entities that buy from them um they're also hiking that so uh, you know i think we can pretty much toss out this first paragraph because it's bs now here's here's some other um indices and it, this is the, Regional Fed Bank economic manufacturing indices. This is what their people are saying that are below, um, you know, the FOMC decision makers. This is the Kansas City manufacturing Fed. This is their, their overall manufacturing index declining. The Dallas Fed. Dallas Fed index has been down 18 months. It's been negative. I wouldn't say down. Some, some months it's been less negative. It's been down for 18 months in a row. That's not a strong, resilient economy, at least in that region. And that's a a, a fairly, uh, the the, the, um, percentage of GDP it represents because it's the oil industry is, is fairly large. Let's take a look at, here's the Philly Fed. That's the most famous. That's what everyone looks at. That's what CNBC gets everyone all lathered up for every month. Down, that's also a major manufacturing region. How about the Richmond Fed? same thing a ton of manufacturing in there in, in their region um, down i mean these these regional fed economic indices are showing a contraction in economic act well the richmond feds popped up to positive so it's above zero is there's a little bit of an expansion going on but it's headed back down uh, the philly fed uh, index has been negative since late 2022 same thing with the Dallas Fed. I mean, look at this thing. <laughs> it's been negative since since early 2022. Um, the the Kansas City Fed index. It's been it's been negative since. That means these areas, manufacturing, in these areas, and the economy in general is contracting. It's not strong and resilient. Here's the Chicago Fed National Activity Index, and as my short seller journal subscribers know. I put a lot of stock in this one because this is actually they survey um, they've got eighty five variables on which they survey, and they survey the privates, you know, all, well, actually all levels of the economy, um, all levels of of commerce of the of the economy. it's eighty five data points. So it means it's it's a pretty statistically significant survey. and it's a, it's a um, dispersion index. And the way it functions is, um, anything above zero is a sign that there's some expansion. And whenever it's below zero, it means it's there's contraction. Now, again, I, I don't know to what extent inflation is embedded in these numbers. I don't think they survey for unit output and unit sales. Um, so I'm assuming there's probably some... some um, some aspect to the nominal numbers that go into the calculus here that contain inflation. Not all of it, but there's probably some. Um, It was just barely positive for the month of September. This is a monthly index that comes out. Um, But you can see over the last 12 months, it's been negative to highly negative. Um, And it takes a lot because it's got 85 variables in it and it's a diffusion index, Um, it, it takes a lot of movement amongst the variables in one direction or another to, to get movement in the overall index. So, you know, if it's, if it goes from minus 0. 0.22, that means it was pretty negative in August and it it, it popped up a little bit to 0. 0.02, but not much. So, you know, to the extent that there might be some, a small economic bounce in September, and I'm not saying that there wasn't, there very well could have been, it wasn't much, it was tiny. So, wanted to go back to the FOMC policy statement and just take a a, a quick look. You know, let's examine the comment that the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient. And what better way to test that than put it to the test of the stock market, right? I mean, it, anything that's not dead right now, investors will pile into, especially, you know, we saw it happen today, the way the market ripped higher after after the Fed went full dove on us. But um, this is the regional bank index. Remember, it it started to collapse in the in the spring. We had three very large regional banks collapse, Um, and it it's been you know it was in kind of a a rebound mode for the summer because the Fed pumped in four hundred billion dollars into the banking system. Um, The the Treasury contributed some money, and the Fed also made available a unspecified size facility that the regional banks can draw on, so they don't have to sell their, their hold to maturity securities to cover deposit outflows. Uh, and by the way, that that facility grows every month, it gets bigger and it, it's only supposed, supposed to terminate in a year and it's supposed to be back to zero in a year. I don't see how there's any way in hell that's gonna happen. Um, but at any rate, the regional bank index is back, almost back down to where it was at the bottom after it, it's started collapsing in the spring. So um, I don't know what regional bank CEOs, uh, I I can't imagine that they're putting any stock in this US banking system is sound and resilient assertion by the Fed. Uh, And then next, let's look at the big banks. So I wanted to use Citigroup. Citigroup was the recipient of what was by far the largest bailout, um, overt and clandestine. And if if you're wondering what I mean when I say clandestine, um, just go to the archives of Wall Street on Parade, and they document the fact that uh, it, it looks like. Again, I'm, this number's off the top of my head because I haven't read the report in quite a while. But it looks like at one point the Fed had extended a trillion dollars in credit to Citigroup to keep it from collapsing in 2009, um, and that that was that was off the books were off the public book, publicly available inspectable books. Uh, but Citigroup is down 25%. This these are measured from the 52-week high. So Citigroup's down 25% since uh March third. Bank of America is down 31 and a half percent. And I think that's since like the middle of the summer. JP Morgan is down 13.2% and that's since July. That's off the top of my head but I think that's when it was um Wells Fargo down 23 percent Goldman Sachs down 21 percent and Morgan Stanley down 29 percent um uh, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs were after Merrill were probably I mean after Citigroup um were were probably the most at risk of collapsing if in, back in the great financial crisis if The taxpayers didn't give the banks 800 billion and the Fed didn't do what it did. So, um, again, just to circle back to this statement the US banking system is sound and resilient. It's a lie, it's not true. Um, And anyone who believes it, you know, God rest, may God have mercy on their souls. So, what I wanted to kind of get into here is, you know, to begin with, whenever a fed official is speaking, they're basically lying. They tell you what they want you to hear. They tell you what they want the market to hear. You know, look at, look at the reaction from the stock market today. Trust me, that was highly scripted and and it it was, you know, it was intentional. Um, What they're trying to do is deflect our attention away from the, what the the real big problem away from obviously the banking sector has got problems, but, um, in my opinion, right now, I think the biggest problem that faces our our system faces our everyone in this country faces is the near parabolic growth rate in treasury debt outstanding. Now, you know everyone knows Janet Yellen claims that we can afford to fight two wars. Well, I mean we can't even afford to fight one war because right now the the spending deficit is is higher than the defense budget so even if you completely cut out the defense budget we're still the the treasury is still running a spending deficit and treasury debt is increasing is increasingly increasing at an increasing rate say that over 10 times really quickly over and over again Um, and what i what i did here it's, it's kind of this spider webby looking thing um is i pointed out Okay, so this goes back, let's just call it early 60s, I think, I forgot to check the date at the top. But this is, this line is the, um, the blue line is the rise in treasury debt. You can see that, um, I mean, it it was pretty flat up until the world went off the gold standard and the dollar became the, um, you know, full-fledged fiat reserve currency. and it, it starts taking off gradually, kind of like an airplane taking off from a runway. And there's points of inflection here where it starts to increase at a faster rate, right? And it increased you know, pretty pretty steadily um, at the same rate between, let's just call it, uh, 1983-ish and 1998-ish. And then there's an inflection point here where the rate of of Treasury issuance increases even more, um, and that that goes from you know the late stages of the tech bubble until this is probably like the beginnings of the Great Financial Crisis, probably two thousand seven two thousand six. Um, I should have checked the dates on the chart before I made this chart, but it's close enough for government work, right? Then another point of inflection where the rate's increasing even faster. And that goes from the great financial crisis to, um, and this is before the, the pandemic thing. This is, this is back in, if you recall back in 2019, the Fed started to um, really do a, a QE program that it called repo, which was supposed to be temporary repo. And it, the repo program, the repo maturities kept getting longer and longer and and they, the facility itself was getting larger and larger. that's because the banks were going illiquid. They were running out of capital and all the Fed was doing was trying to kick the can down the road on on the potential for a banking system crisis. Um, and it wasn't it convenient that the COVID crisis was a good way to cover that up and allow the Fed to to dump. $3 trillion into the system all at once, which is what it needed, the banks needed, um, and ultimately over $4 trillion. Um, But at any rate, you can see that's where you get another point of inflection where the Treasury debt increases even more quickly. And it's, it's really at risk for going parabolic. And it's at that point when, when the Treasury debt issuance does go parabolic, that's going to be the Weimar moment in this country. That's when um, we're going to start to see um, hyperinflation, hyperprice inflation, which will basically be reflective of the hyperinflationary level of treasury debt outstanding. And unless the Fed plans to crash the system completely, uh, basically incinerate it, The Fed's going to have to get interest rates lower, and it's also going to have to reverse its QT program and revert back to QE. And again, I I doubt they'll call it QE. It'll be something Orwellian, some sort of stupid title on it that makes everybody think they're doing the right thing. Or at least the people that lap up what's fed to them in the mainstream media think that the Fed's doing the right thing. But that's really that's probably the, 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 the ninth inning or the end game of the U.S. economic and financial system as we know it. And this is incredibly bullish for the precious metals sector. Um, Unfortunately, it's, you know, the way this is going to unfold, there's going to be a lot of pain that will be felt by everyone. And I'm not even sure the precious metals will be able to um act as an anesthetic for maybe maybe a psychological anesthetic anesthetic because we'll know we were right and we know that we will be holding real money those of us that hold our precious metals ourselves and assuming that there's some type of systemic continuity with the stock market the mining stocks are, are going to go parabolic times five and i you know again i like to point back to what happened at the end of the weimar period in germany when there was hyperinflation, uh, the stock market went crazy uh, because people were just throwing money into um, anything that they thought might help them preserve value. And um, But interestingly, um, and again, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but but gold substantially, the price of gold priced in German marks substantially outperformed the German stock market. And then the German stock market collapsed. Because there was a currency reset. And that's probably what we'll be looking at here. I who knows what kind of time frame it, you know, I would I would say for sure within 10 years, probably um, sooner than that. However, I hate to end on the doom and gloom, but uh some people call me Nostradamus light, but um uh at any rate. I just wanted to let everyone know that um, the next issue of my mining stock journal will be published this afternoon. And in there, I'll be featuring several mining stock companies. Not all of them are the junior um, project development explorers like Silver Viper, but um, those are the ones that I think have the most upside. If this plays out the way I think it's going to play out. So um, until next time, hope everybody enjoys what they can, as much as they can, while they still can. See you next time.